Hello there, I'm Rob Manifield and welcome to Everything Racing Podcast. It's that time of year again, folks. The 2021 Formula One season is about to begin in less than three weeks by the time I've uploaded this. Less than three weeks, approaching two weeks. Well, I'm going to upload this on a Wednesday, so uh, Bahrain, Australia, I nearly said Australia. Bahrain starts on the Friday, like two weeks away. It doesn't feel like this off-season's felt that long because the season ended quite late in December and it's going to again seemingly this year too. But all the cars have been launched now. Next week you'll get an episode where I rank uh, the 2021 F1 liveries from worst to best. But for this week, let's do some predictions. Like you've seen on YouTube, by a lot of fantastic content creators have done their predictions for 2021 and I figured... I'm a little bit late to the party, which is weird considering the season's literally just around the corner, but it's time that I got involved and gave some predictions of my own. So what I'm going to do is rank the Drivers' Championship, so rank, predict the Drivers' Championship, the order where all the drivers will finish 20th through to 1st, and kind of give a few points about each driver and what I think they'll achieve or not achieve this season, and then I'll move on to the Constructors and do the same again, 10th through 1st. Yeah, this should be fun. Uh, obviously, we have no real data to go off in terms of what the cars are going to be like. This is all completely off the top of my head. So, this should be fun. Sit back, relax, and let's do some 2021 F1 season predictions. Righty-ho, let's crack on with the Drivers' Championship. Let's start with that. Going to rank the Drivers' Championship 20th through to first place. So, you might have guessed who I think might be 20th. Uh, it is one of the Haas drivers, but which one? I think 20th and last, unfortunately, getting the wooden spoon for 2021 will be Nikita Mazepin. Now, I'm not even going to discuss his conduct outside of the car and even sometimes in it um that's a whole different kettle of fish and a whole different topic for a whole different time we're just going to talk about nikita mazepin and what i think he'll achieve and in this case not achieve really in 2020 and we'll talk more about Haas in general when i get to the constructor side of things but i think mazepin's going to struggle this year uh it's clear that he's joining a team which uh, I basically just want 2021 to be over as quickly as possible so they can focus on 2022. And that means for a rookie, he is going to have a very hard time. Um, I also think, and we'll get to, to Mick in a, in, a, in a moment, I think that he'll be outperformed by Mick across the season, obviously. I've ranked Nikita Mazepin last. And I don't think Mazepin will score a point. I think he'll be one of only two drivers who won't score a point all season and we'll get to 19th now so 20th is Mazepin 19th I think will be Williams's Nicholas Latifi I like Latifi I think he's actually better than people have given him credit for uh he's been around for quite a while has Mazepin nope just talked about Mazepin has Latifi in the last you know through the junior categories he got his debut in 2020 he did okay. He never looked like he was going to trouble Russell 
but he's still with Williams for another season. And what uh, Latifi needs to do is show more consistency. And I think that is when he'll start to show. It will be this year. He'll start to show more consistency. And I feel he'll be what Russell was last year in terms of just being outside the points on occasion. Not very often. Like It'll be like an 11th place like what Russell had at Mugello, for example. Was he finished 11th at Mugello? He was running 11th anyway. He was, he was fighting Vettel at one point. So... That is Latifi's spot this year. I don't think he'll score points. So I think Latifi and Mazepin will come uh, 20th and 19th, not score a point. Though Latifi will be ahead of Mazepin because he will still have better results than Mazepin. Which will basically just give him the spot by default. But yeah, that's kind of where I think he'll be. His best result will be in 11th place somewhere on a day where some of the front runners maybe have an off day. Or there's a lot of retirements, so... Latifi 19th, 18th, the second Haas driver of Mick Schumacher. Now, I'm rooting for Mick. I'm a massive fan of his dad. I've been following Mick's junior career right up until present day, and that will continue all through his F1 career. I'm a big fan. I think he thoroughly deserved the F2 championship, and I think he will score Haas a couple of points throughout 2021. Like, a couple of 10th places throughout the season I think though the first third of the championship he'll be very kind of slow to get up to speed he you know it's well known isn't it that that Mick struggles in first seasons of new categories I mean he was in Euro Formula 3 and he had a really difficult season second season won the championship first season of F2 he did win a race but he was Nowhere near the front, challenging for any sort of real wins on a regular, apart from the sprint race in Hungary. 2020, he won the championship. Now, let's just make it clear. I don't think he's winning the championship next year. Let's not be silly. But this is very much a learning season for him. And Haas is an interesting team to do it in because it is clear they're looking at the future. They're not thinking about the here and now. So how well Mick can do will be very much on how he can do on the day his qualifying needs to improve that has always been his weak link all through his junior career he has not been a strong qualifier but he is fantastic at race starts and he is really strong in the in races he makes back positions he overtakes which you know sometimes goes under the radar but it's important to know when you're a youngster at the bottom of the grid that he is going to fight his way through the field and that is how Mick will get that point or two throughout 2021 so 18th I've got Mick Schumacher obviously I hope he does better but this is my prediction 17th the oldest driver on the grid I'm of course talking about Kimi Raikkonen Uh, I have to be honest I was surprised that Kimi announced he was staying on not that I don't think he could still do it clearly I mean you only have to look at his opening lap at Portimao last year to know that yeah no he's he's still got it like Kimi can when he when he when things are all all the stars have aligned Kimi is still a strong racing driver and he undoubtedly being uh, teammates to Giovinazzi has undoubtedly helped Giovinazzi continue his progression within the team to the point now where I think they're probably you could say it on an even playing field I mean, we're going to get to Giovinazzi in a second, and it's obvious that I think Giovinazzi will be better than Kimi across the season. Um, 
But, you know, I think you just got to kind of enjoy Raikkonen while he's here. He, I think, will call it a day this year. Finally, after 20 years, I think Kimi will step aside and allow someone else to come through. Maybe, like, a Marcus Armstrong or a Robert Schwartzman or a Callum Eilat to take his seat alongside Giovinazzi. Speaking of Giovinazzi, I've got him in 16th coming through to beat his teammate. I have it down that he'll beat Raikkonen 75% of the time. That's a big number. But I feel Giovinazzi has improved quite a lot in the last couple of years. It's his consistency which has always been the biggest question mark about him. And I feel like he's getting there. And this year he'll show a dramatic improvement. Now that doesn't mean he's going to score points on every race. That's, that's not going to happen. It just can't. But... He will consistently outperform his teammate, both in qualifying and the race. He's sort of started showing signs of that, but this year will be the exclamation point on that. And I think Alpha would be wise to continue with Giovinazzi long term um, and get in a youngster from the junior formulas, like I've just mentioned, an Armstrong or Schwartzman or an Eilat or someone of that calibre, to come in and take that second seat. And then they can learn from Giovinazzi, which is a sentence I didn't think I'd ever say a few years ago. Moving on to 15th, I have the second Williams of George Russell. Now, Russell is going to have an interesting year. I think he'll score points multiple times for Williams. What sort of points we're talking? We're probably literally talking one or two points. Because whilst the Williams might well take a step forward in performance, and you know, I'll get the constructors, but I think they will take a step over Haas permanently, over Haas um, this year and maybe even going forward. You know, we're not talking he's going to go and score like a fifth or a sixth place. He's going to score a ninth or a tenth at a maximum. But that's good, and that's a step forward, and that's the step forward he needs to take. He needs to show that in a you know, relatively poor car, he can still score points, which is important for a young driver's development to show that, you know, that ability. And then, come the latter end of the season, I think Russell's Mercedes-bound for next year regardless. It's at the end of his contract with Williams, and I think Williams have got to let Russell go which sounds sad for them because, you know, they obviously would love to keep Russell as soon, as long as possible, but Russell's got to move on. Strike while the iron is hot, so to speak. People still are buzzing about his performance in the Sakir Grand Prix, which he should have won, but obviously he didn't. But, you know, get in there while you're still the talk of the town. Don't carry on at Williams. Continue to show, actually... Is there someone else that could take that seat? Is there a Verstappen? Could Bottas stay? Is Hamilton staying? No, you need to you know, make your claim now. Start scoring points with Williams and then take the seat. Which we all know he should and will un, you know, undoubtedly get. Mercedes won him. There's, there's, it's the worst kept secret in the paddock right now. But we'll have to see. But yeah, Russell to kind of finish the best of all the back of the grid runners in the Alfa Romeos, the Williamses, and the Hasses. In 14th, I have Yuki Sonoda, the rookie at AlphaTauri. This is a good signing. Yuki Sonoda is a very good driver, and he showed, you know, real promise last season. Didn't really make any real mistakes. He was always there or thereabouts, and... I'm excited for Sonoda, actually. 
he comes across as a nice guy. He's very quick. I think as new drivers tend to be, I think he'll be a bit off his teammate, his more experienced teammate, in the first third of the season. But by night, you know, by the middle of the season, I think they'll be on a relatively even playing field, which is what you want. You want teammates like that in a midfield team to push each other because that's the only way midfield teams can then improve is if they continue to push each other to improve and Sonoda I think will like I said slow but steady start to his season I think he just needs to finish races if he picks up a point or two along the way then great but just consistently finish finish races that's so much better you'd rather finish a race and not be in the points, be outside the points in 11 for a 12th, then on TV crashing. Like, that's a lot, so much better just to finish races. I mean, it goes without saying, obviously no one wants to crash a Formula 1 car, but Sonoda, that is a really important thing for me in his first season. Just show consistency, and then take the fight to Gasly. But I do think, with his experience, Gasly will have the legs over Sonoda across the length of the season. Moving on to 13th, I have Lance Stroll. You might think it's a bit low for Lance Stroll, and maybe it is. But I look at the other names coming up, and I think they're better than Stroll. And Stroll does have a bit of a fight on his hands this year, and we'll get to his, his new teammate in a moment, but... Whilst I think Seb will beat him across a whole season, I think Stroll will show flashes of brilliance. I mean, come on, you don't get better in terms of a flash of brilliance than a pole position in Turkey. And whilst I don't think that's going to happen, I can see Stroll, you know, on a day where maybe Seb gets traffic in qualifying or makes a little bit of a, mis- a lock-up or something, Stroll will just pip in and go one or two spots ahead of him on the grid. Show those sorts of flashes. He does beat his four-time world champion teammate, on occasion. But I do think Seb will have the legs on him. But Stroll will still have a good season, you know, to an extent. Whilst 13th doesn't sound great, you know, it's still not bad. Like, it could be worse. It could could be a lot lower down, which is where he was a few years ago. But, yeah, Stroll is going to have a difficult season. But I feel... You know, he'll still drive well, but I feel Seb will be more consistent, which is something that, considering Seb's form last year, for example, and the year before, maybe is a weird thing to say, but I think we'll we'll get to Seb in a second. Moving on to 12th, I have Esteban Ocon for the stunning-looking Alpine team, formerly known as Renault. I think he'll run Alonso closer than expected, but he'll kind of somewhat fall into Alonso's shadow. I don't think Alonso will allow Ocon as well to get close to him, like on the regular at least, you know. Whether Alonso is going to play the political game like he has done in the past with his teammates is a, you know, we'll have to see. But Alonso is coming back in, but, you know. He's been a few years out, but Alonso is still Alonso. So I have more faith that Alonso will beat Ocon than Ocon beating Alonso at this point. This season, at least. Maybe Ocon will have him next year, but we'll have to see. But I have Ocon in 12th. 
11th place, I have Pierre Gasly in the second Alpha Tari. He'll be leading the team going forward. Whilst he was teammates of Kvyat, you could argue neither driver was really the team leader, but it's clear now. Gasly is the team's number one. Zenoda is going to learn between them, and I think it will be close. But I do think this will be Gasly's last year in the Red Bull system. Where he goes, I don't know. There's only one real option for him, and that is Alpine. But I don't know whether they'll want to get rid of Ocon, or whether Alonso goes, now nah, sod this, I'm done. This isn't happening. Maybe Gasly is going to have to be stuck into the Red Bull system through AlphaTauri for a long time. But whatever happens, I think Gasly will have a strong season. He isn't going to win a race. I would have said that last year. Alright, top 10 time. Number 10, I do have Fernando Alonso sneaking into the top 10 in the Drivers' Championship. Now, he's obviously had a very difficult pre-season. Had his uh, cycling accident where he uh, broke his jaw. He, you know, has recovered from that very well. And unless anything changes, he's going to be at pre-season testing ready to go. But... Don't expect miracles from Alonso, the likes of which he was pulling out when he was at McLaren, for example. You know, he isn't going to be pulling these crazy results out of his ass every race, seemingly. I think it's going to be so much tighter in the midfield. Don't discount the fact that Alonso has been out of the cockpit, in Formula 1 at least, for two years. You know, he had great success in WEC and he kind of has had two horror shows at Indy in the last couple of years. I mean, at least he qualified last year, and that's saying something. But he's kind of been a bit, eh, he's had, you know, me, me, he's been okay-ish when it comes to like the Dakar rally. He's basically, he's a man with his hand in many pots. But now he's focused solely on his return to F1. I think a top 10 in the Drivers' Championship isn't unrealistic. I think Ocon will run him very close through the middle of the season, but it's so close in the midfield that it's kind of a toss-up as to who will finish where. I do have Alonso finishing down in 10th place. Moving on to 9th place, I have one of the two drivers at Alonso's former team, McLaren. And I have Lando Norris coming in in 9th. Norris to get into the top 10. I'm going to be blunt... I think Norris will struggle against Ricardo. Ricardo is really strong, like really strong. He's going to be super motivated. He's had, you know, two very difficult seasons, maybe not so much last year, but he had a very difficult first season at Renault. His second season, yeah, I mean, it was decent. It was good. Two two podiums, like that's that's great, and was shown signs of progress. And will will Ricardo come to regret leaving that outfit just as they seemingly were taking a step forward I don't think so because I think McLaren are going to take a bigger step whilst I think Norris is very good and you only had to see his you know fastest lap on the last lap of the Austrian Grand Prix where he scored his first podium to know that this kid is the real deal you know there's levels to this and I don't think Norris is at Ricardo's level yet hence why I have Norris down in ninth. I still think he'll do well and maybe score a podium or two, but don't expect Norris to do much of the heavy lifting from McLaren. I think that's going to come from his a lot more experienced teammate. 
Speaking of experienced drivers, eighth, I have Sebastian Vettel. Vettel to finish eighth for Aston Martin. Now, this is really interesting. And there's no one on the grid I want to do, like, well, more than Seb. He had a horrible season last year through various circumstances, whether that was him, whether that was the car, whether that was his surroundings, the atmosphere where he was working. But I... I... How do I put this without sounding like a fanboy? I think Seb is better than any of that showed. And he will get his mojo back. It's going to be similar to when he went to Ferrari. And in 2015, Seb looked happy. He looked comfortable. He looked focused. He looked determined. He showed amazing consistency. And had one duff day. And that being the Mexican Grand Prix. Which I have covered in... The episode where I talked about Sebastian Vettel's best and worst moments at Ferrari. So Seb has had an experience like this before. Going to a new team, a fresh environment. In a way, there's less pressure. But in a way, there's more pressure. Because the guy's reputation is kind of hanging in the balance with people that kind of both want to forget how good he actually is and has been. Or to you know, have literally forgotten that, like, 10 years ago, the guy was the best driver in the world, by far, at one point, you know, I know drivers change and people get better or worse, but Vettel is a lot better than people are probably ever really going to give him credit for, this is a big season for him, he needs to show those people, hey, if all things are working in, in harmony for me, I'm still one of the best. And I feel, looking at how comfortable he looks when he's like been doing the pre-season you know, promotional stuff for Aston Martin, he looks excited, he looks motivated, he looks sort of re-energised. And that's important. If Seb turned up, obviously his hairline doesn't make it look like that's the case, but you know, people age, it happens, go over it. Um, but if Seb can come out of the blocks... You know, reduce the number of errors he was making whilst under enormous pressure, then this could well be one of the better things that Seb's done in his career. And if he's able to help Aston Martin in the next few years take that step up to where when he leaves and retires, he's able to leave them in a really good position, similar to what Michael Schumacher did at Mercedes. Obviously, you would know that Mercedes was going to go on to become the greatest team in history when he retired in 2012. No one saw that coming. But he left them in a really good position for them to take that next step. And if Seb's able to kind of do that, you know, that is how he should be remembered, at least for the last few seasons. And we'll be able to hopefully kind of put to one side the the, the inconsistencies he's shown and, and, you know, moments where he's really cracked under pressure. And, yeah, I really want Seb to do well this year. Moving on to 7th place, now I have them, I really tossed and turned as to who I was going to put 7th and 6th here, it is the two Ferraris, I have signs in 7th, but it's so close, it's razor thin, this will be the tightest teammate battle of the season, I don't think it's going to take signs long to get up to speed, but Leclerc is very much embedded at Ferrari, he's very much their number one, 
is Sainz going to settle for that? I don't think so. I think they will butt heads in a similar way to what Seb and, and, and Leclerc had. You know, Ferrari is very much Leclerc's team now. Sainz is stepping in. Is he basically just a, a fill-in driver for Mick Schumacher who to come in in 2023? Who knows? But I think it's going to be fascinating to watch these two. The psychological battle, the on-track battle... I don't. F- you're not going to get on the radio and say Carlos move over or Charles move over. They're not going to do it. They're two young, feisty young drivers. They're they're going to go for it. They're going to be want to race each other and beat each other on merit, and that's going to cause some tension. I mean, of course it will. You're racing at the highest level, trying to basically win the affections of your team. But I think Sainz will just, just lose out to the Claire. But it'll be less than 10 points. That's how close we're talking. Yeah, moving on to sixth, obviously, I've mentioned it already. Charles Leclerc. I think Leclerc will have a you know a great season all in all. Well, better than last year. I do think if you're thinking about who's going to sneak a win across the length of a championship. I mean, last year we had Gasly and Perez were the two that sneaked a Grand Prix. Leclerc, I think, will be the one to sneak a win at some point this year when all the stars aligned and things work out for him on the day. Ferrari have a new um, power unit upgrade, apparently, for this season to help bring them back on a more even playing field compared to the competition. That's going to be critical because that was absolutely Ferrari's weakest link last year. And obviously, aerodynamically, the car was a bit of a bit of a boat as well. So, But Leclerc, for me will just about beat his teammate and will sneak a win at some point. Moving on to the top five, I have Daniel Ricciardo. Here's a bold prediction for you. Daniel Ricciardo will be the driver of the year. There, I said it. Danny Rick will have the season of his life. Do I think he's going to win? Maybe. Yeah, go on. Yeah. We've got... Leclerc for Ferrari, and I think Danny Rick for McLaren. Yeah, let's do it. That's the crazy prediction. Danny Ricciardo to win a race. I would love it. I think that'd be so cool. Danny Rick is quality. He's an absolutely fantastic driver. He showed maybe, is he a bit overrated in 2019? But he answered that in 2020 by being really, really good and consistent. So I'm excited. I'm genuinely excited. I don't think he and Norris will be quite as harmonious in how they go about working together. I think Danny Rick is a lot more sort of driven in a way than Sainz was. Sainz, I think, was just having fun, having escaped the clutches of the Red Bull Junior system. Um, Danny Rick, this is this is a really cool thing, him being at McLaren. He looks really happy and comfortable. Yeah, screw it. He's going to be my driver of the year and he's going to win a race. There we go. Fourth, I have Sergio Perez, Red Bull's new signing. A surprising signing, considering that Red Bull really don't go outside their system. This is the first time, and I'm going to rack my brains here, that Red Bull have signed a a driver to their top team without going through their junior system since Mark Webber in 2007. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because it was Webber and Coulthard. And then Vettel came in. He was at Toro Rosso. They were teammates till 2013. Daniel Ricciardo and Vettel. 
Ricardo was in the junior system. Then um, Kvyat was in the junior system. Verstappen, Gasly, Albon. Yeah, there you go. But Weber wasn't in the junior system. Weber came in in 2007. He'd been at um, Minardi, Jaguar, and Williams. So it's not common that um, Red Bull sign drivers to their top team that haven't worked their way up through their own internal ladder. And Perez was going to be a free agent. He was going to be, you know, without a drive. I think Red Bull showed a statement of intent by signing him. They, they, you know, you you would understand if they if they didn't, but they were wise to. Perez is driving better than he's ever driven. A consistent, fast, exciting, experienced driver. It's a great combination. Someone who has now broke the duct. He's won a Grand Prix. That's always an important step for a driver. Once you win a race. That is always kind of like a monkey off your back, a weight off your shoulders, and Perez can now kind of just go full on into this new, you know, in you know, venture with Red Bull, and you know he knows he can win a race, and that's important. If you can, if you know you can win a race, you'll win more, and I think he will. Biggest question though: Is he going to be happy playing second fiddle to Verstappen? I think publicly he'll say there's there's no number one or number two, but it could well be a similar scenario to what it was like in 2018 for example we had Danny Rick who was driving in the first half of the year so much better than Verstappen but Red Bull liked Verstappen more or it could be like a 2010 where um, Sebastian Vettel was clearly Red Bull's number one focus but Weber was driving better than him so I'm not saying Sergio Perez is going to drive better than Verstappen but it could be that sort of scenario with the old timer coming in showing actually I'm still a match for this youngster at least I'm very very close but then Red Bull obviously just showing their their hand hence why there's only a one-year deal but at that extent there's nobody really apart from like a, a Sonoda that could step in but Red Bull really needs to stop promoting drivers too soon they've gone the complete opposite and hired someone with 10 years of experience that's not characteristic like a, a main characteristic for rebel they like to throw their youngsters in and then a surprise when they're not ready but that's a conversation for another day F- top three time top three i do have valtteri bottas coming in third i think hamilton's gonna spank him i think he's gonna make him look silly will this be bottas's last season at mercedes maybe in the end bottas's future very much depends on what his teammate's doing, which is ironic considering I think his teammate's going to beat him from pillar to post across the length of a season. Yeah, Bottas is a very good qualifier and has shown he can out-qualify and out-race Hamilton. But in qualifying especially, Bottas is extremely strong. That's Bottas's strong point, is qualifying. He's been able to, even when Lewis is on like a proper you know, hot lap, Bottas on occasion can pip him to the post, which is quite something, considering there's only really been two or three other drivers that have been able to do that. And we're talking like Rosberg, Button on occasion, and Fernando Alonso. But then that doesn't really count, because Alonso was racing against a rookie. But from my memory, Alonso really wasn't that great in qualifying compared to Hamilton. But is it? you can't really compare Hamilton of 2007 to the Hamilton of 2020, where... You know, Bottas was still 
you know, sneaking in a pole position on occasion against his teammate. It'll be close in qualifying as it always has been throughout their team, no, no, their time as teammates. But yeah, I don't see Bottas being any threat to Lewis. And depending on what Lewis does, this will be Bottas's last season. And we'll get to that shortly. Second, here we go. Now, in the last few years, I've popped up with a bit of an outlandish pick for who I think will be second and first. I'm not doing that this year. Second will be Max Verstappen. Playing it safe, folks. I think he will initially be able to fight Mercedes in the first half of the season. But by the summer break, I can see Mercedes just putting their foot on the gas and going for it. It'll be the closest championship battle between Verstappen and Hamilton so far. And will show glimpses, actually, this is going to the wire. But then Hamilton, being the unbelievable talent that he is, will just eke away a lead it isn't going to be like a Vettel and Hamilton sort of championship battle it'll be a false hope sort of thing Verstappen will get wins against Hamilton beat him in straight fights and you know have some really great on-track battles but realistically I Verstappen isn't going to beat Hamilton not this season and because of what I think will happen with Hamilton he isn't going to ever I do think Hamilton will win the world championship this year kind of makes me sad because Christ eight straight drivers championships for Mercedes from 2014 to 2021 that is unreal but it's it's reality Mercedes will win and Hamilton will win eighth world championship in the bag he'll get he'll he'll kind of go over the 100 win mark he'll go over 100 poles call it a day son <laughs> easy work to get that eighth championship in the end but call it a day. This is it. Hamilton's retiring. End of the season. That's my prediction. That's my sort of... If I was to put a fiver on it, this is the one. Then we'll get to that another time. Why I think... Slap bang. This is why... I think this will be Lewis's last year. But let's just say it how it is. This is going to be Lewis's final season in Formula 1. But he'll retire as world champion. There we go. Hi guys, I'm Dean. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the Movie Journey Podcast. Where we break down every movie from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. We're also home of the Pod V Pod, where we battle other podcasters in various movie games and drafts. We also do reviews of new releases, film tournaments, top five lists, and talk about everything else we've watched as well. We used to be the IMDb Journey Podcast, but since then, we've grown and matured with age. Yeah, if you don't believe us, why don't you listen to some more Genuine Testimonies? Oh, hey guys, I uh, I used to like the IMDb Journey podcast, but since then I've found something even better. It's the Movie Journey podcast. Oi, bro, I know I said the IMDb Journey podcast was a good show, but the Movie Journey podcast is so much better. Absolutely, for sure, yeah. You know, I used to think that nothing could be funnier than IMDb Journey, but I've now found my joy in Movie Journey podcast. The IMDb Journey podcast is nothing compared to the Movie Journey podcast. Absolutely love this podcast. <laughs> oh, amazing oh, testimonies once again. Absolutely legit and real. Of course. And if you still don't believe those testimonies, go ahead and check out the show for yourself by searching for the Movie Journey podcast. You can find us on all your favourite platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and Podbean. So come along and join our journey.
Righty-ho, let's move on to the Constructors' Championship, make it a bit shorter than uh, going through the 20 to 1st of the Drivers' Championship, and we'll re recap all of the, the lists I've done here today um, for you before we, we wrap up. Let's move on to the Constructors' Championship. I would have already touched upon a lot of these points when I've talked about drivers themselves, but here we go. Tenth, I think, will be Haas. I think it'll be close between Mazepin and Mick Schumacher, but I do think the German will have the legs over Mazepin. But they're really going to struggle. I mean, Haas are basically turning around and said they're not going to develop this year's car. They're already focusing on 2022, which means they are going to be really, really struggling. Their, their car last year was bad, and... This year will be not much better. And whilst everyone else will take a bit of a step forward, I think Haas will either go backwards or they'll just stay still. I'm not really sure what's worse, because at least if you go back, you know what you need to improve. If you stay still, you're kind of just, you know, kind of just floundering around, and that's not great either. So 10th will be Haas, 9th Williams. Like I've said, I think Russell will score some points. I think they'll take a decent step forward. And I do think, on merit, not just because, hey, the Alvatari is having a slow day and they've got some issues mechanically, I think that Williams will be able to take the fight to the likes of Alfa Romeo and Alvatari, legit on merit, on pace, with Russell. And with Latifi, but Russell predominantly. So Williams I have in ninth. Alvatari, no. This, see, this is the problem. They have two teams that start with Alfa. Eighth. I have Alfa Romeo. Uh, like I said, I think Giovinazzi will be firmly established as like the team's number one going forward. They will struggle to beat Williams, but they will beat Williams across the length of a season. Because I think you've got the difference. You've got Latifi, who I don't think will score, and then you've got Russell, who will score a few points, and then you've got Raikkonen, who will score a few points, and Giovinazzi, who will score quite, you know, relatively on a regular basis, like one or two points here and there. But, I have Alfa Romeo down in 8th. 7th, AlphaTauri. There we go. Gasly was consistently score great points. And Sonoda will, like I said, slowly but surely build himself up, get up to speed. And then by like the end of the first third of the season, he's going to be right there with Gasly. And they're going to push each other to score some good points. But then look at how close the midfield's going to be. Look at these names that are coming up here. 6th, of Alpine. They have Fernando Alonso in it. And Ocon, like that's a great lineup. This is how close we're talking here. You've got Fernando Alonso in a midfield team who seemingly are doing pretty good considering how Renault left things in 2020. Alonso stepping into a good position. Now he's 39-year-old, 40-year-old, 41-year-old Fernando Alonso going to be at the absolute sharp end in an Alpine? Probably not. But it is still going to be you know, a good season for them. A foundation year for this new name. Speaking of which, we're moving on to fifth. I have Aston Martin. Like I said before, Vettel will be like a clear number one and Stroll will occasionally show, ah, he's, he's you know, he's, you know, he's good. He's good. He's, he was able to out-qualify Vettel or finish ahead of him on occasion. But I do think across the length of a season, Vettel will be firmly the number one. And fifth in the constructors would be a decent result for this new outfit formerly known as racing point obviously they have they're not exactly a new team but they you know they're a new brand and they're a new philosophy a new way of going about it Lawrence Stroll obviously has a lot of faith in the people he's got around him in the in the team he owns 
It's exciting. And maybe next year they can take that step forward to beat number four, Ferrari. So I think fourth will be Ferrari. They'll have a better season than last year. I mean, crikey. I mean, you can't get worse. Well, you can, but you surely can't get worse. Yeah, Leclerc and Sainz. Really excited to see how they fare against each other. I do think Leclerc will have the legs. I do think they will make contact on track. And it's going to be a big news story. The two young, hot-headed teammates, you know, they're at each other's throats. It's exciting. See, this, this is it. I love this sort of stuff. This is. I'm. I'm no grounds to think that could happen, but you can just imagine it, can't you? You can imagine these two. Oh, he's holding me up. Oh, he's he's too slow. I'll tell him to move, and then they they go they go wheel to wheel, and then they have a Vettel Leclerc Brazil 2019 scenario, and they're like, "What on earth is this?" And it blows up in the media, and the press make a huge deal out of it, as they always like to do. But yeah, I've got Ferrari fourth. I mean, they will surely take a step forward, but so will the next three teams. Third, I have McLaren, and I think the majority of the step forward will be Danny Rick. Like I said, Danny Rick is going to be really exciting in a McLaren, especially now that they've got Mercedes engines. You know, that power unit is really vital to a car's success obviously not always the case i mean williams for example have a mercedes power unit and they're still floundering around at the back but mclaren are a better team than williams at this point let's just not beat around the bush so mclaren to come third and like i've said i don't think it'll be quite as harmonious between the two teammates because i feel norris is going to be under a lot of pressure he now will probably feel that his future with McLaren could be under threat. It's, you know, all well and good a team having you in their junior sort of system and, and you know, being a big fan of you as a person and as a driver. But if you are getting convincingly beaten by your teammate, like convincingly beaten, isn't great. So I feel Norris will be under pressure and Danny Rick will be there to lead the team forward. Don't think Norris is going to get sacked or anything, but Norris will... He's either got to up his game hugely to you know, be on the level of Ricardo, but Ricardo is like you're talking top level drivers. Ricardo's in the top five or six, and Norris isn't. Is it a dig? That's reality. Second, I have Red Bull. This is the closest Red Bull will be to Mercedes throughout the entire um, V6 hybrid power unit era, and that is purely because. Mercedes obviously are going to be extremely quick and you would have guessed by now that I think they will win the constructors for an eighth time in a row come on like is it eighth yeah it's eighth yeah it's eighth this will be an eighth time because Hamilton's won six out of seven and Rosberg won their one yeah so eighth this is an eighth straight constructors and drivers championship and what Red Bull have been missing in the last two seasons at least are Two drivers who are able to consistently take points away from Mercedes when Mercedes screw up. And Red Bull had that when they had Daniel Ricciardo. But they hadn't didn't have that with Gasly. And they didn't have that with Albon. Which is why the gap between the two teams has always been quite substantial. Because yes, whilst Bottas isn't as good as Hamilton, he is still taking those that second place or a third place. Whilst Red Bull weren't doing that. They had one driver doing it. Then he had another driver floundering around him sixth or seventh. And then if Verstappen wasn't, you know, in the, in, in the mix and he was, you know, out of contention or he retired or had a mechanical issue or whatever, that second car was always still down in like fifth or sixth. Whilst with Perez, 
Paris is going to be hovering around the third or fourth place, maybe even higher. So this is a really good overall thing for Red Bull. It's going to be very close. But I do think that Mercedes will win the Constructors' Championship. And, yeah, there's not really much more to say about Mercedes at this point. They're just so good. I think I'll just leave it there. Mercedes Constructors' Champions. There you go. So that, ladies and gentlemen, are my 2021 season predictions. I think I'm going to quickly run through the driver standings and the constructors for you. So let's start with the constructors. I've just gone through them a moment ago for you. Let's go through them again real, real quickly. I have Haas in 10th, Williams in 9th, Alfa Romeo in 8th, Alfa Tauri 7th, Alpine uh, in 6th, Aston Martin 5th, Ferrari 4th, McLaren 3rd, Red Bull 2nd and Mercedes in 1st. And then the drivers, I have Nikita Mazepin in 20th, Nicholas Latina. TV 19th, Mick Schumacher 18th, Kimi Raikkonen 17th, Antonio Giovinazzi 16th, George Russell 15th, Yuki Tsunoda in 14th, Lance Stroll 13th, Esteban Ocon in 12th, Pierre Gasly 11th, Fernando Alonso 10th, Lando Norris in 9th, Sebastian Vettel in 8th, Carlos Sainz 7th, Charles Leclerc in 6th, Daniel Ricciardo 5th, Sergio Perez 4th, Valtteri Bottas 3rd, 2nd Max Verstappen and 1st for an 8th time Lewis Hamilton. And then, yeah, just have to see if that's right or wrong. Know my predictions in the past? They're bound to be horribly wrong. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed my racing ramblings predictions for the uh, for the upcoming F1 season. Who knows, after pre-season testing, this may all be invalid. And, uh, yeah, it's all up on its head. I, I'm not sure that would be the case, but... You know, we'll have to see. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever podcast app you use, and leave a rating and a review, preferably five stars. And be sure to follow the show on social media. Just search for Everything Racing Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll be back next week. Second time, I'll be ranking uh, the 2021 F1 car liveries from worst to best. So that should be interesting. And, uh, yeah, plenty of more fantastic content coming for you in the coming weeks and months. So, once again, thanks for listening, folks. I'm Rob Manifold, and I'll see you around the next corner.